This is AgriPulse Open Mic, brought to you by Syngenta. More than 27,000 people in over 90 countries who are helping the world's farmers grow more from less. Syngenta believes that farmers can produce enough to meet the world's needs and safeguard our planet if we link technology, land, and people. The foundation of a sustainable production system focusing on strong rural economies and resource efficiency. See all they are doing at Syngenta.com. And now, AgriPulse Open Mic. Senator Mark Pryor, welcome to AgriPulse Open Mic. Well, thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it. There is so much going on now that has to do with appropriations, with agriculture, with a number of other areas. I know that you are going to chair the Senate Appropriations Subcommittee on Agriculture. And I just wonder if you'd give me an overview to begin with of how serious our issues are at this time of having an interim farm bill, uh, not having budgets, and not having real assurance for people in agriculture of what is to come this year. Yeah, I think they're very serious right now, and I guess to step back and try to get a big-picture view of this, I mean, the Congress has done a very poor job over the last few years of getting a budget. Um, everybody's talking about, you know, Obama hasn't had a budget in three years. Truth is, there were two years when President Bush didn't have a budget either, and those are just kind of excuses. I mean, we all need to work better. Everybody's responsible for this. It starts at the White House, but really... Both House and Senate, Democrats and Republicans, are all responsible, and we all share in the blame for this. And it's really too bad. And what you're seeing is kind of a just that the gridlock is literally hurting America because you take uh, how this will impact, let's just take one sector of agriculture, which is what your listeners are interested in. Um, you know, this is going to hurt uh, American agriculture. We, we can talk about the sequestration if you want to in a minute, but with the with just the, the, the lack of budget clarity, the the, the ability that the, the lack of ability to plan and to know what's you know coming up for farmers and agribusiness around the country, uh, USDA can't make any long term plans. It's just not a good uh, circumstance, and it's not not a good way to govern. So uh, I'm very concerned about it, but at the same time. Um, you know, hopefully this year's going to be better than the last couple of years. Uh, there's some very positive signs in the Senate about us working in a more bipartisan way. That's, you know, when I ran for the Senate back in, uh, 2002, that's what I talked about the whole time. I ran ads on it. I went all over the state talking about bipartisanship. I tried very hard to be very bipartisan and, um, I'm hoping that, uh, the American people have had enough of this partisan gridlock. It's red versus blue excuse me, red versus blue game you get up in uh, Washington. And I'm hoping people are not going to tolerate it anymore and will basically send a very clear message to Washington that we want you all to get along. We want you to work together and we want to find solutions like with agriculture. We, we had a farm bill last year in the Senate, and uh, we passed it, big bipartisan vote. I actually voted against it. I didn't support it. But I was glad we did work on it in a bipartisan way, and it got passed, went over to the House, and it died on the vine over in the House. So... Yeah, hopefully this year will be better. Uh, it's it's really, from my standpoint, it's just really a matter of political will. Uh, if we have the will to do it, we can do all this stuff. It's not it's hard politically, but it's not hard, you know, mathematically. You know what you have to do, and you know the process, and we we know that we should be doing better. Senator, 
saying all of this, do you think sequestration will kick in in March? Uh, I've been, I've tried to be the eternal optimist on sequestration and say that it would not kick in. Um, but I'm going to tell you, this last week in Washington was pretty gloomy uh, because it looks like uh, between the House and Senate, and, you know, again, you know that there's going to be a problem because the blame game started full speed ahead this week with, you know, House and Senate Republicans blaming Obama and then Democrats blaming the Republicans. You know, that, that's a that's a total road to nowhere. But when when you hear that kind of stuff come out of Washington, you know that people are just positioning to try to, you know, get a political advantage over this. But the bottom line is that sequestration will come into effect unless we act. And we don't have long to act. We just have a couple of weeks to act on this. So we had a hearing yesterday in the um, Senate Appropriations Committee, and we had three cabinet-level secretaries, and then we had someone from the Department of Defense and someone from OMB, the Office of Management and Budget, and that's in the executive branch's you know, version of the CBO. But nonetheless, that we sat there and pummeled them with questions for two, two and a half hours. And I'm going to tell you, sequestration is bad. It's going to be bad for the U.S. economy. It creates a lot of hardships. And, it, when, it, and with all due respect to the national news media, the way they've sort of positioned it or a phrase that or framed it up nationally is they said, well, it's going to be X amount of federal spending cuts. And that's true on its face, but you need to look at the context and what happens out there in the U.S. economy. So one example that we've talked about quite a bit in my office is the the meat inspectors. Now, we we take these people for granted. These these are federal government employees. We take them for granted. We have the safest and best food supply in the world, and we just kind of take it for granted that everything works like it should, but those, those meat processing plants cannot function unless they have a, uh, a meat inspector there on the premises. So now if you're going to have to start furloughing uh, meat inspectors, uh, what does that mean to, you know, the Tysons of the world and the Pilgrims of the world and all that? They're not going to be able to run their plants if they don't have a meat inspector in the plant. And so suddenly you're talking about a chain reaction of layoffs, a disruption to the food supply, and, the, the you know, the ripple effects just go on and on. So... This is much broader than, than several billion dollars in the federal government. This is really going to be an economy-wide problem for the U.S. Senator, uh, do you favor that we may have a proposal added that would eliminate direct payments as a part of the sequestration alternative? I do not favor Chairman Stabenow's approach. And here's what I think she's trying to say and what she, I think she's trying to do. is I think she's saying, look, we're, we're going to get rid of the direct payments when we pass the farm bill. So let's go ahead and, and do the budget accounting right now on that. Well, I, I'm not willing to do that. I, I want to know what the farm bill will look like. I want to know what the new farm law would look like. I want to see what the next five years is going to be like for American agriculture before I can agree to any of that. Now, it is true that in the Senate uh, farm bill that we passed, again, I did not support, but we did pass the bill, it is true that uh, direct payments went away in that bill. So we, we all understand that probably the writing is on the wall. But I, I think that, um, you know, we need – my, my view of this is, and I know we don't have time in the next two weeks to do this, but for two years I've been saying that we should adopt the blueprint that Simpson Bowles lays out. 
and you know that's the Simpson Bowles Debt Commission, and they studied this for a year, and had all these smart people with a lot of resources to do what they needed to do. They came out with a set of recommendations. I think we ought to follow those recommendations, and um, you know it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of weeks. But I don't support uh, Chairman Stabenow's efforts. There are a couple. There's one, at least one other Senate Democratic effort that's trying to be promoted to try to, you know, get to uh, something that uh, you can get consensus on. Uh, I'm still waiting to see the details of that. But right now, um, you know, we're we're we we need good ideas and we need leadership uh, for us to get through this. Well, Senator, you were opposed to the farm bill that was written last year. You're opposed to now having. Uh, an ending of direct payments this year. There's one more area. That's a continuing resolution that'll stop funding the government at the end of March. Uh, do you expect a new resolution to be passed before then? I do think we will do that. I'm not sure how that's going to work, but it probably will be a continuing resolution. It may just move it down the road to maybe June or something. I'm, I, we're, you know, those discussions are go ongoing right now. Um, I feel like with your listeners here, I'm not painting a very rosy picture fiscally. I feel like I'm not giving any real positive solutions, but I do think that the best route for us to go is we need to stop this um, uh, sort of cliff attitude that we have in Washington right now. We, we take things to the very last minute. It creates uncertainty. People in this country and our U.S. economy, we need certainty. We need to know that the government is going to do what it needs to do to keep everything running as it should, but also that we're going to get our fiscal house in order. And I think that's where, you know, something like the Simpson-Bowles Debt Commission, again, I don't agree with everything in there, but I think that they give us the blueprint that we can follow to get us through this. And what I, I mean, we can't go back and say we should have done this two years ago, which we should have, but at this point, we should do this and we should get very serious about uh, getting our fiscal house in order, and that means making some hard choices. We have to do entitlement reform. We have to do tax reform. We've already done a lot of cuts in discretionary spending about, well, if you count them all up, about two-point-some-odd trillion over the next 10 years. It's a lot of cuts, and these are going to be painful. And what you're going to see as a result of the Budget Control Act that we passed in 2011 is you're going to see the organizations like the U.S. Department of Agriculture take big cuts uh, in their budget, and it's just going to happen over the next 10 years. So we're in, a, we're in a budget shrinking environment right now, not a budget expanding environment right now. And it's going to be painful, and it's going to, there's going to be some pain over the next few years on this. Would you um, oppose a farm bill that is basically the same one that was passed last year if it were offered again at the uh, termination of this session? There, there are two or three changes I'd like to see, but one of those that I think is very important is that we need to uh, have a better rice provision in the commodities title. And rice is a, is a unique crop. Of course, we grow 50% of the rice grown in the U.S. We grow here in Arkansas. So it's a big, big crop for us in our state. And, and it just is a, it's unique in that you grow it basically underwater and there's a lot of expense and overhead that goes with it, um, and quite honestly, the approach that some of the folks in the Senate wanted to take about just, you know, having insurance replacing direct payments and things like that, 
that just doesn't work in the rice world. And you can look at the numbers. I mean, I'm not just saying this. You can look at the numbers and do a breakdown. It just doesn't work. And, and basically what you would do is you would probably not only cripple, but you would, in effect, probably end the rice industry in the U.S. And we don't want to do that. I mean, I don't, I don't see where that makes any sense on any level. So we need to fix the rice provisions in the commodities title. And, of course, there are some provisions in there on catfish and a few other things that are important to us as well, but I think rice was really the primary consideration I had when I voted against that bill. I just see that you and uh, ranking Republican Roy Blunt from Missouri have come out with uh, uh, favoring the Food for Peace program to be extended further, but to do it by shipping U.S. commodities to the countries rather than buying or giving credits in those countries is this also tied in with your rice industry? Well, it is. It's, it's really tied in with just commodities generally. Um, of course, if you look at our trade deficit in this country, it's terrible. It would be horrendous if it weren't for agriculture. Agriculture is our largest export. You know, this is one of the things your listeners need to know is that I recognize, and I wish more people in Washington recognized, that agriculture is a core strength in the U.S. economy. We do a lot of things well, but agriculture is a core strength. We do agriculture better in the U.S. than anywhere else in the world. There's no doubt. Every country in the world recognizes the U.S. as the leader when it comes to agriculture, and we need to keep that advantage. And so we need the right kind of agriculture policy on the books, and that goes back to the Farm Bill. That also goes back to what Senator Blunt and I are working on with the Food for Peace program. Um, We want these uh, countries to purchase American, uh, not just rice, but American products. And that's really what that's all about. And, you know, with all due respect, I don't think that it makes sense for us to spend a lot of taxpayer dollars for people to go out and buy, you know, crops and, and commodities from Brazil or from, you know, other parts of the world. They need to be buying, if it's U.S. tax dollars, they need to be buying U.S. products. Last thing, sir, and that is you have a former colleague, uh, Blanche Lincoln, who was senator and chair of the Ag Committee, who voted in a manner that supported her party and the administration, but it appears cost her her job. And I'm wondering if you are feeling the heat if you're asked by the Obama administration to vote in favor of new gun control laws whether or not that will be dangerous to you to get reelected in Arkansas. Yeah, I don't feel any heat uh, on that. I've already told everybody, I, I didn't tell the administration, I just announced it to the press, that I'm not going to support the assault weapons ban. Uh, gun ownership is something that's very important to people in my state. Uh, you know, I, I kind of joke about this, but it's probably true. I, I bet you anything we have more guns in Arkansas than we have people. And it's just something that we, it's just part of our life. People love to hunt. They love to go out and shoot recreationally. They, you know, it's something you pass on from one generation to another. So I'm not going to support the assault weapons ban. And, you know, I just want to be very clear about that with everybody so they all understood where I was coming from. But, you know, back to Senator Lincoln, I, I love Blanche Lincoln. I mean, really, she's a very dear friend, and I'm so proud that she was in the Senate and all the things she was able to accomplish. I'm so uh, proud to still call her my friend and still, uh, you know, have a very good relationship with her. Um, but I do think that the two of us are different. And uh, the way I've always approached this job, and I'm not saying she approached it differently, but all I can speak for is myself, 
the way I've always approached my job is I represent the people of Arkansas. I don't represent a party, don't represent a president. I represent the people of Arkansas, and I, I try my very best to do what's right on any given issue. So there are definitely times where I line up with President, whether it's President Obama or President Bush. There are definitely times when I don't, and there are times when I line up with the Democratic Party, and there are times when I don't. And I just don't pay a lot of attention to that. And listen, I have total respect for all my colleagues, Democrats and Republicans, and you know, the majority leader of the Senate, Harry Reid, um, you know, I'm, I'm just um, good friends with Harry Reid and a lot of respect for Harry Reid, but I don't represent Harry Reid, and I don't represent the Democratic Party, and they know that. And I, I said that from the moment I ran uh, my first meeting that I ever had as a senator with Tom Daschle, who was then the Democratic leader. That's what I told him. I said, I want you to know <laughs> I am not going to always be with you. I just want you to know that. Now, I'll try, you know, I'll listen and I'll all that, but I represent Arkansas. That's why I'm here. And I, my view is, maybe I'm wrong, but my view is that that's what people in my state want. They want people in Washington to listen to them. I mean, I mean, if you look at the Constitution, you know, that's the way it works. Every state gets a certain number of uh, representatives and then two senators, and we're there to represent our states. There's nobody else in Washington who's going to represent Arkansas besides the Arkansas delegation. So I take that responsibility very seriously, and we have to make a lot of tough calls. You know, you mentioned gun control. There's been, uh, you mentioned the farm bill. There's a lot of these that come down the pike. It's hard for a senator from Arkansas to vote against the farm bill. But when I felt like it wasn't in the best interest of our state, I had to vote against it. So uh, I try to use that independent judgment and, you know, just try to do the best I can. Senator Mark Pryor from Arkansas, thank you very much for being our guest on hey, Agriculture this, this Tonight. Was, this was great. Let's do it again soon. Thank you. AgriPulse Open Mic has been brought to you by Syngenta. More than 25,000 people in over 90 countries helping the world's farmers grow more from less, protect the environment, and improve health and quality of life. See all they're doing at Syngenta.com. I'm Ken Root.